Oh, well, we have um, we've enjoyed this reboot series. Okay, I don't want to speak for you. I've enjoyed this reboot series. Um, we have kind of gone through, uh, I just felt like at this time of year was an appropriate topic to kind of, as we get back into the flow of life, summer's over, and uh, it was just a good time to kind of um, control, alt, delete. Like just, let's let's kind of, let's just kind of, I don't even know what that means because I have a Mac, but <laughs> I saw that somewhere, I think 20 years ago. Um, my mind has just got so many smart aleck comments going on right now. I've just got to, I've just got to like put them out of my brain. So now that brings us to the big question for this week as we restart, and that is this, how do I get from where I am to where God wants me to be? And I, I just, let me just disclose this. I don't have all the answers for you, right? Let, let me just be honest. So, so what I would like to do is give you some thoughts and ideas from Scripture that I believe will encourage your heart to restart and to take another attempt at this and living out what the kingdom of God looks like for you. And I believe that if you've taken an honest look at, at where you've been and what maybe, maybe you're rethinking what your priorities in life are, the question would then be, okay, so now where do I go from here? How do I get from here to there? And what needs to change in my life to make that happen? Because the truth of the matter is, if you continue to live out your Christian life the way that you have always lived out your Christian life, you're going to get the same result that you have right now. And I'm not saying you're in a bad place. I'm just saying, is that all there is? And so my suggestion is that, is that if we have rethought this thing about living out the kingdom of life, then there needs to be some things that we do differently in life to get a different result, to better impact the kingdom of God. And I don't know what that is for you, but I really believe this. If you're willing to pray and ask God what it is that he has for you and what needs to change, he's not opposed to letting you know. And he'd love to work with you on that so that you can become who it is that God wants you to be. And you can affect the kingdom of God the way that he has planned for you. The first step to getting somewhere is to decide you're not going to stay where you are. So let me just be honest. I don't know where there is for you. I know where there is for me but I don't know where there is for you. I'll take it a step further. I don't know where your here is. So I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where your there is, and I don't know where your here is, but I do know this. You can get there from here. I get paid to do this, right? And you get what you pay for. So I, so I don't know, I don't know what that is for you, but I do know this, that there is a there and you can get there from here. And what we got to figure out is what does it take to get from where I am to where God wants me to be, whatever that is. One of the biggest restarts in scripture was this larger than life character. And there's a lot of them, all right? But one of, the, one of the biggest restarts in Scripture is Moses. 
I love what the Bible says. He ends up on the backside of the desert. It's almost like you can't get any further away than that. I mean, it's, that's, it's kind of like that verbiage that, that, that uh, you know, the other side of the world. Like it's, so he ends up on the backside of the desert, right? And he's out there tending sheep. And then that kind of, so that's where, that brings us up to speed. He's married now. He's a shepherd. He's gone from being a, a, a slave to, to being a prince in Egypt and to where now he is tending sheep. He's now 80 years of age. You can break up Moses' life into three different 40-year segments. In the first 40 years, he's, in, he's a prince of Egypt. The next 40 years, he's a, he's a <laughs> uh, sheep herder on the backside of the desert. And then the next 40 years, he's actually leading the people of Israel to the promised land through the wilderness. And so here he is kind of at the cusp of that, of that new portion of his life. And there's a burning bush, and, and, and we're not going to go into a lot of detail there. But Jesus, um, God comes to Moses and speaks to him out of this burning bush. And I don't, know what, I don't know what your disaster is. I don't know what you have envisioned in your life that never got accomplished. I don't know where you are right now, but I know that, that God does know. And the next season of your life doesn't have to look anything like the previous season of your life. And where you are going can look very different than where you have been. And where you are is not where you have to stay. And I believe that God is calling us to something better in life. So what I'd like to do is take a look at a few things that God communicated to Moses during this conversation that is so applicable to our lives today. Just some talking points from the burning bush. The first thing is this, God communicated to Moses, and I believe he's communicating to us, that you are exactly who God wants. I don't, I don't understand everything. I, I mean, I know that, that God chooses the weak things to confound the strong and the the stupid things to confound the wise and the weak things. I, just, I know that God does all of that so that he can get the glory for everything. But God knew exactly where Moses was. He never forgot about him. And here's, here's what I love. In, in, in the beginning of that chapter, it's communicated to Moses that I have heard the cry of my people. And I am calling you to go get them out of slavery. And so it wasn't like just all about Moses. It wasn't just so that God could make Moses feel better at the last third of his life. The call that God put on Moses was to help another group of people. We get so caught up in this, in this life that everything is about us. And before God called Moses, before God actually said the words, he said, I have heard the cry of my people. And he said, I want you to know that I'm, I am going through this and I'm calling you, but it's because I have a need over here. There is something that I need for you to do. I don't know why God chose Moses, but there, he was a, there was a specific need and he was a specific person and God called him. He was exactly who God wanted. He was exactly who God needed to use for that moment. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, what a great a great verse, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, for we are his, I love this word, workmanship. Like, in other words, 
we are crafted. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For a nine-to-five job? That may be part of it. To buy a bigger house and have a nicer car, that might be all part of it. But we are created in Christ. We're a workmanship that's created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Like there's a purpose behind who God made you, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So do you feel this verse? Like, like there is a purpose behind the giftings that you have. There is a purpose behind who you have been created to be. And there is a need for you to fill. God has ordained that ahead of time. And God doesn't make mistakes. And God knows you. He knows your family. He knows your situation. He knows your job. He knows your relationships. He just knows. And knowing that he knows ought to convince us that if he wants to use us, there must be something specific about us that can meet a specific need in somebody else or for something else. So think of where Moses was in life. He was tending sheep, 80 years of age. He thought he blew his opportunity. When God called him, he was tending sheep. And God still thought he was the perfect man for the job. You're exactly who God wants. And I love this, you have what it takes. And what I see here is that God knew that Moses had what it takes, even if Moses didn't know that Moses had what it took. Like God knew that Moses could do the job. But I think Moses had just been through so much in life that he was just done and didn't see it happening. The truth is that it wasn't about what Moses could do. It was about what God could do through Moses. God knew what he could do through Moses, but he needed Moses to know what he could do through Moses. So let me just encourage you this morning. I don't know what you can do. I don't know what your influence is. I don't know what God has gifted you. I don't know what you have, but God knows how he can use who you are, even if you don't know who you are or how God can use what you've been through. Second Peter 1, 3 this is the Peter that was a disciple of Christ. It says this, according as his divine power, look at this, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We have everything it takes to make this happen. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You say, but I, you don't understand, I've blown it. I was embarrassed, I blew it. I mean, Moses could say, I killed a man. There's no, I was a wanted criminal. I can't go back to Egypt. I mean, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, wherever you've gone, whatever you shouldn't have done, wherever you shouldn't have gone, whoever you, you've hurt, whatever damage has been done, whatever the situation, God already knows and God loves you and God has a plan. Not only does he have a plan A, but he has a plan B and a plan C. And a, I mean, he, he has whatever it takes. Now, now I, want, I want you to understand, 
I don't think it's that we can continually on purpose keep on failing. But I believe wherever we are in life, there is something and somewhere that God wants us to be used to do. You're exactly who God wants. You have what it takes. And he is all you need. Now, this is something that I have, I've heard about my whole life, right? So Moses, lacking confidence, comes up with several excuses why he's not the man. And he says, what if, what if they don't believe me, God? What if they don't believe? Because he'd already tried to convince them that he was their, their redeemer. Like he was the one that was going to set them all free. And they rejected him 40 years early. He said, what if they don't believe me? And look at what God told him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He says this, and God said unto Moses, now this is what I've always been told, right? Just tell him I am that I am. But I want you to notice the order that is in this verse. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. So it's almost like he's talking to Moses first and addressing Moses' unbelief. And then he says, and this is what you're going to say to them. Because Moses' question was, what do I tell them to make them believe that you sent me? What do I tell them that you told me that will get them to believe me that I'm the guy? And God does address that in the latter half of that verse. But it seems to me like the front half of that verse, he's telling Moses, I am that I am. And then he says, and this is what I want you to tell the people of Israel, that I am has sent you. And I know maybe it's just a play on words here. But he's telling Moses, I'm all that you need. Like I am that I am then you tell them the same thing. It was almost like God was saying, you look at me, you believe in me. I got this. I am that I am. God wanted Moses to believe in God more than Moses believed in Moses because Moses did not have a lot of confidence in Moses. And isn't that a beautiful thing? That even if you don't think you can do it, if you're willing to obey, it's going to truly be a thing that God does then. Because it really is not all about your ability. I believe God can fill whatever cup you have, and God can make it happen. But I think what I saw in this verse here is that God is telling Moses, you believe that I can do it. You believe that I am all that you need to make this happen, and then you tell the people of Israel, I am sent you, the one who's making all of this happen. There's a really interesting correlating verse in John chapter 6. We won't go into it, but you know, there, there were a crowd was looking for Jesus and the disciples, and they're following after him, and, and he kind of berates them a little bit. And says, you're just following me because you're, you know, you're wanting bread, you're wanting to see miracles and all of that. And so the, the crowd responds to Jesus and says this, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? That's a reasonable question. <clears throat> what do we have to do to be able to do 
the works of God. And look how Jesus responds to them. And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. So they were worried about what do we have to do to do the work? And Jesus said, you need to focus not on the work of doing something. You need to focus on the work of believing on the one that, Christ, that, that God sent, and that was Christ. And so our job here and what God was telling Moses is, believe that I can make this happen. You have faith. I'm all that you need. I'm not as interested about what you can do for me, but about what I can do through you. So with that, let me give you just a few quick lessons how to get off your backside of the desert. Getting off your backside, first of all, talk to God. You need to be having this conversation. God, I feel you working on my heart. <laughs> and if you don't feel him working on your heart, God, I, I want you to work in my heart because I want to do something significant. I want you to use me. I want, I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want this to be for eternity. If it truly is something that God wants you to do, he's not going to be surprised about the conversation you're having. Talk to God. Not only does it make sense to talk to God about it, but I think it's important that you get an idea of what his timing is on something and his approach. Because here's the thing, you might be right about something, but it's just not the right time. Or you might be right, we all have that friend who has no filter, right? And they're right. But now it's just not the time, right? Just why, and and illustrations are going through my mind right now, but most of you are in here. (laughs) It's like, you know, there's like, yeah, you, yeah. So it's it's not about whether or not this is something God wants you to do or God wants you to say. It's about, you know, what's the right approach and what's the right timing here? I mean, look at Moses at 40 compared to Moses at 80. So Moses' approach at freeing the people of Israel at 40 years old was not effective. So his timing and his approach was way off. So I would encourage you, if you see a need or you feel like God is calling you to do something, man, I'm, I'm excited for you. But let's just, let's just take a moment and let's talk to God about it. Let's figure out what the timing ought to be on this and what our approach needs to be. A couple of verses I want to share with you that just speak to this so well. The first one is Jeremiah 10, 23. It says, oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Now, I'm really careful not to take things out of context. Like, I didn't just, like, find this verse and, like, pull it out. You read this chapter, and, it's, and this fits so well with what God is saying here. Jeremiah says this, he said, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. So there's like, I don't even have the ability to know how I'm supposed to walk, God. 
And it fits well with Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says this, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. What a great, that's what we're talking about. Like you have this thing in mind, like this is what I want, God. I think this is what you want, God. I think this is the way I'm supposed to go. I, this is what I feel you called me to do. This is what I feel you calling me to be. This is the change I feel like you're trying to, to get me to be a part of. But I want to do it the way that you want me to do it. And I want you to direct this whole thing. So talk to God. Second of all, make a plan. Really practical stuff here. I just think you need to get it out of your head. Right? You need to get it out of your head and write it down. Even if what you write down doesn't make sense. But just get it out of your head. Going back to that verse, um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Look at what the words mean here. So a man's heart deviseth, that word devise means to make a plan. It means to plan things out. So you're just writing down your thoughts. You're not doing anything with them yet. You're just getting them out of your head and putting them on paper or in your notes. So a man's heart will make all these plans But I love this, the Lord directs or establishes. So you're not wasting your time. So you write it down, you make a plan. You're telling God, you write it down, you make a plan. Now, God, how is this going to happen? And you let God put the pieces together. And then the third thing, I think you need to tell a friend or friends. There's a couple reasons for that. I think good counsel gives you good perspective. And maybe there's something you're not seeing here. I say this all the time. I don't know what I don't know. Now think about that. If I don't know what I don't know, I need to learn, right? I don't know what I don't know. So God, I don't know what I don't know about this. I know it looks good to me, but I don't know what I haven't learned yet. And, and, and I want to learn what I need to learn because I don't want to make a mistake, so I don't know what I don't, and I have to be very careful about being adamant about a lot of things because I might be wrong. I know I often am. I was expecting a little more of a gasp there. But I know that I don't know what I don't know. I know that. And if Melissa was here, she'd be like amen in right now. Because it's like, I, but I admit that I don't know what I don't know. And that's really a good place to be. So I need wisdom. I need counsel because it gives me good perspective. It also gives us accountability. And there's the rub, right? Because it's easy to quit when nobody else knows. I'm just going to write this down, kind of keep it to myself. And then nobody will know what I'm, so you're planning for failure. I think that we need wisdom, I think we need perspective, and I think we need accountability. So tell a friend, tell a friend, and I hope that you're smart enough to tell the right kind of friend, somebody who's not just going to tell you what, what you want to hear, but somebody who will be understanding and supportive at the same time. Number four, start small. And I, I listen, I'm not trying to crush big dreams. I want you to, you have a big God. All right? But 
At the same token, I think we need to be happy with small successes in life because it's still a success. Do you ever have, I have, a, I have a program on my phone, an app called Couch to 5K. I didn't say I did anything with it. I just said it's all on my phone. It makes me feel like I'm getting fit, all right? That's all right. You have your Bible app and you don't use it either. So it's like, sorry about that. So I have this app on my phone. I may have deleted it. But it's called Couch to 5K. And the idea is like, you know, if you're a couch potato, that in a certain period of time, like, I have no idea how long. Because <laughs> I haven't opened the app yet. <laughs> but it's like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you from just being a couch potato to running your first 5K. And so, it, I mean, it has music. It, it'll, it'll tell you, okay, so you, you, you go for a walk. And you walk for like, I'm totally like guessing. <laughs> you walk for like 10 minutes. And then you jog for 60 seconds. And you go home and have a bag of chips. I think that's what's on the app. <laughs> and so, you. So you have this, that's like your first week, right? So you like, you walk for 10 minutes, you run for 60 seconds, and you have a bag of Doritos, I think. And so then like, the Doritos might not be on there. But so then like the week number two, you might walk for eight minutes and run for two. I mean, it's like the idea is that after three months or whatever, a couple years, <laughs> you're like just doing a 60-second warm-up, knocking out three, three miles, and you're done, right? So, but it's one little bit at a time. So you start small. You don't go, I mean, some of you could. Kudos to you. Like just jump up. You haven't run for years. Jump up, you could do a 5K. I hate you a little bit. (laughs) But I love you in Jesus' name. So, but if I tried to do that, I, I mean, honestly, I'd have to have 911 on speed dial at the end of my driveway. It's like, It's just, it's not going to happen. So I have to start small. And I think that's what I'm trying to say here. It's like, I'm not trying to discourage big goals. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make your God littler. I'm trying to, to encourage you to do something, but be realistic and start small. Now that being said, you know, just as sure as I say that someone's going to just do something huge and big and, and, and thank God for that. I just, I just want us to have, at least in our brain here, that, that little victories are great. Small successes are still successes. No change is too small. So, so here's what, so have one family night a week. Start there. Like, I feel like God needs me to invest in my family more. Okay, just block out one night a week. It's just going to be you we're not looking for you to go on a family vacation right now. We're just saying, all right, one night a week. I think God blesses us financially when we're generous. I think that, that, that if we take what he's given us and we use it according to his plan, why wouldn't he bless us? Like, so we're good stewards of what he's given to us, and I believe in tithing. I believe, I believe that's like the bare minimum for the Christian is giving 10% of your income to the Lord. I just, I think it's the decent thing to do. But if you're not there, 
and you're like at zero, start with 2%. And all of you really judgmental Christians are like, yeah, but they're still 8% off. But start somewhere. Don't stay at 2%. Start giving something. I learned this from Rob. Take a, you know, you got, you got like benevolent, I have a benevolence account in my wallet right now. So I take a $100 bill, a $20 bill, $5 bill, whatever, fold it up, put it in your wallet. Don't spend it until God tells you to give it to somebody. Now, it's really a cool way to live. Start there. Start your own benevolence account. And what's hard is putting the money back in. It's easy to give it away. But then you got to go, well, now I got to take another $100 bill out and put it in my wallet. But start wherever you are. I've given that as a tip. I've given it to someone who had a sign. When God tells me to do it, I just take it out of my wallet and give it. Just whatever it is, whatever number, just, I'm saying start somewhere is all I'm trying to say. Take a small step. You know, if you're wanting to read through the Bible in a year, man, let's, let's do this, right? So let's, let's start with maybe downloading the, the, the daily Bible reading app. Just start somewhere. Start small, but do something that affects the change that you feel God's calling you to do. And then, and then finally, take the next step. Just take the next step. You don't have to have all the answers. Don't you love it? You don't even need to know where you're going to end up. I told Randall this. So many of you don't know, but like, so in 2005, I moved my family up here from Texas to help start Virginia Hills Church. And it looks nothing today like what I had in my mind. And I told Randall several years ago that if I had known then what I know now, I would never have come. But I'm so glad I did. It would have scared me to death. What I'm saying is it would have scared me to death 12 years ago what God is doing in my life now. Just take the step. You don't have to know where you're going to end up. You just have to know what your next step is. Just take the step. All you, listen, you don't have to have enough faith to get there. You just have to have enough faith to move off of here. Like, just have enough faith to take this step. I got enough faith for 2%. I got enough faith to start my own benevolence account in my wallet. I got enough faith to have a family night once a week. I have enough faith for that. I may not have, and then, but here, you're not done. Like, there's another step after that one, and that's how it begins. You just do all that you can do and let God do all that God can do. And just take the next steps. Restart. A couple of verses I just want to share with you just to encourage your heart. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 21 and 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Yeah, that's you. According to the power that worketh in us. It's in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ through all the ages world without end. Amen.
I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you with this, Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Just take the next step. Just restart. Make it impactful. Whatever it is that God's working on your heart. You be you. You let God be God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, I mean that. And I truly believe that you have an incredible mission for your kingdom, for every person in this room. And help us to at least be asking the question, what does my life need to look like? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.